Chapter 6. Gastroenterology. Topic 8. Pancreas. In today's episode, we'll be reviewing disorders of the pancreas, starting off with acute pancreatitis. This condition can be precipitated by various factors. Notably, alcohol consumption and gallstones are two primary causes. Other significant causes include hypertriglyceridemia, particularly when levels exceed 1,000 mg per deciliter. Medications also play a role, with diuretics like thiazides and furosemide, mood stabilizers such as Valpro-8, immunosuppressants like azathioprine, antivirals including dedenosine, and other drugs like pentamidine, metronidazole, and tetracycline, as well as GLP-1 analogs, all being implicated. Infections, including those caused by cytomegalovirus, mumps, and legionella, can also lead to acute pancreatitis. Iatrogenic causes are notable too, with endoscopic retrograde cholangiopancreatography, ERCP, and post-cardiac catheterization cholesterol emboli being implicated. Lastly, trauma is a recognized cause. Moving on to the signs and symptoms of acute pancreatitis, patients typically present with epigastric pain radiating to the back. Accompanying symptoms often include nausea, vomiting, and anorexia. In severe cases, patients may exhibit fever, tachycardia, hypotension, hypoxia, tachypnea, and specific signs such as Cullen's sign, which is periumbilical discoloration, indicating hemoperitoneum, and Gray-Turner's sign, which is flank discoloration, suggesting a retroperitoneal bleed. Hypocalcemia can also occur due to saponification. For diagnostics, there are three key criteria, of which at least two are required for a diagnosis of acute pancreatitis. These include the characteristic epigastric pain radiating to the back and worsening with food, amylase, or lipase levels that are more than three times the upper limit of normal, and CT imaging of the abdomen and pelvis showing pancreatic inflammation, parapancreatic fluid, and fat stranding. Abdominal ultrasound, or ERCP, can be used to diagnose the etiology, especially in cases of gallstones. In terms of management, immediate steps include intravenous fluid resuscitation, advancing diet as tolerated, and pain control, often requiring narcotics. If gallstones are identified as the etiology on abdominal ultrasound, a laparoscopic cholecystectomy is typically performed during the same hospital admission. Complications of acute pancreatitis arise from the release of pancreatic enzymes, cytokines, and other inflammatory markers, leading to inflammation and organ dysfunction. These complications can be severe and include adult respiratory distress syndrome, necrotizing pancreatitis, pseudocysts, hypotension, acute renal failure, gastrointestinal bleeding, and ileus. It's important to note that necrotizing pancreatitis requires biopsy-proven evidence of infection before initiating antibiotics, with options including carbapenem monotherapy, or a combination of cefepim, fluoroquinolone plus metronidazole. Necrosectomy may be required in some cases. For pseudocysts, there's a rule of 6S. They usually develop within six weeks, are observed if less than six centimeters in size, and drained if they are more than six centimeters or symptomatic. As an aside, we'll explore the multiple scoring systems used in assessing acute pancreatitis, particularly focusing on their role as prognostic indicators and their utility in triaging patients for appropriate levels of care. Firstly, Ranson's criteria is a well-known system used in the evaluation of acute pancreatitis. This criteria involves various parameters measured both at admission 
and during the initial 48 hours of hospitalization. It includes factors like age, white blood cell count, blood glucose levels, serum AST, serum LDH, and changes in hematocrit, among others. Although Ranson's criteria are historically significant, they are less commonly used in contemporary practice due to their complexity and the delayed nature of some of the measurements. Another significant scoring system is the APACHE2, Acute Physiology and Chronic Health Evaluation 2 score. This system is more comprehensive as it evaluates a range of physiological variables, including vital signs, oxygenation status, and renal function, along with the patient's age and health history. The score is particularly valued for its ability to assess the severity of illness in critically ill patients and is often used in intensive care settings. The BISAP score, bedside index for severity in acute pancreatitis, is the newest of the three tools. It considers five parameters. BUN level, impaired mental status, systemic inflammatory response syndrome, age over 60, and presence of pleural effusion. The BISAP score is known for its ease of use and can be calculated within the first 24 hours of admission. It's important to note that while these scoring systems are valuable as prognostic indicators, none have been conclusively reported to predict disease severity with absolute accuracy. However, they do hold significant utility in triaging patients. Moving on, we'll now discuss chronic pancreatitis. Let's start with the causes of chronic pancreatitis. Repeated episodes of acute pancreatitis can lead to ongoing inflammation, resulting in fibrosis and ultimately the loss of both exocrine and endocrine functions of the pancreas. This means there is a decline in the production of digestive enzymes as well as insulin. Another notable cause of chronic pancreatitis is cystic fibrosis which can affect the pancreas along with other organs. Moving on to signs and symptoms, patients with chronic pancreatitis often experience weight loss and anorexia due to the decreased digestive function of the pancreas. They typically suffer from chronic epigastric abdominal pain, which tends to worsen after meals. Malabsorption is a common feature, leading to deficiencies in fat-soluble vitamins and the presence of loose, greasy stools. Additionally, due to the diminished insulin production, patients can develop hyperglycemia. In terms of diagnostics, chronic pancreatitis is primarily a clinical diagnosis supported by imaging findings such as pancreatic calcifications seen on abdominal CT or X-ray. The secretin stimulation test can also be used, where secretin's normal effect of stimulating bicarbonate-rich fluid release is impaired in chronic pancreatitis. Interestingly, Amylase and lipase levels may be normal in this chronic stage. Other diagnostic markers include low fecal elastase and increased stool fat, indicative of pancreatic insufficiency, and carbohydrate-deficient transferrin, which is a biomarker of chronic alcohol intake. Management of chronic pancreatitis is multifaceted. Pancreatic enzyme supplementation is key and should be taken alongside a proton pump inhibitor, or H2 blocker, to protect the enzymes from gastric acid breakdown. Alcohol cessation is crucial in cases where alcohol is a contributing factor. Pain control is also an important aspect of management, often requiring careful consideration to avoid narcotic addiction. Complications of chronic pancreatitis are numerous and significant. Vitamin deficiencies due to malabsorption can lead to a variety of conditions. Vitamin A deficiency can cause blindness, cataracts, and dry eyes. Vitamin D deficiency can result in osteoporosis and hypocalcemia. 
Vitamin E deficiency may lead to spinocerebellar ataxia and hemolytic anemia, and vitamin K deficiency can cause bleeding and easy bruising. Vitamin B12 deficiency is also a concern, as pancreatic lipus is required for its absorption. Splenic vein thrombosis is another complication, given the proximity of the splenic vein to the pancreas. The chronic inflammation can lead to thrombosis and the development of gastric varices. Additionally, there is an increased risk of pancreatic cancer and the potential for narcotic addiction due to chronic pain management. Lastly, we'll review pancreatic cancer. Let's begin with the risk factors for pancreatic cancer. Smoking and alcohol consumption are significant risk factors. Chronic pancreatitis is also a known risk factor, highlighting the link between long-standing pancreatic inflammation and cancer. Obesity contributes to the risk as well. Furthermore, genetics play a role with mutations in BRCA genes and conditions like Poitz-Jäger syndrome increasing the risk. A family history of pancreatic cancer is also a notable risk factor. Moving to signs and symptoms, patients with pancreatic cancer often present with weight loss, anorexia, and steatorrhea due to malabsorption. They may experience chronic gnawing abdominal pain that worsens at night. Courvoisier's sign is a classic finding where there's a palpable, non-tender gallbladder in the presence of jaundice, often indicating a cancer in the head of the pancreas that obstructs the common bile duct. Migratory superficial thrombophlebitis, also known as Trousseau's syndrome, can be a perineoplastic phenomenon associated with pancreatic cancer. Additionally, new-onset diabetes in an older patient without other risk factors can be an early sign of pancreatic cancer. In terms of diagnostics, CT or MRI of the abdomen and pelvis are essential for both diagnosing and staging pancreatic cancer. A biopsy is required to confirm the diagnosis. It's important to note that pancreatic cancer is often diagnosed at an advanced stage when the prognosis is generally poor. The management of pancreatic cancer is challenging due to its typically late presentation and aggressive nature. Surgical intervention, such as the Whipple procedure or pancreaticoduodenectomy, is the main curative option. This complex surgery involves the removal of the pancreas head, common bile duct, gallbladder, and part of the stomach and duodenum. However, many patients are not candidates for surgery due to advanced disease at diagnosis. In these cases, palliative chemotherapy is used to manage symptoms and improve quality of life, although it does not significantly extend survival.